GLHF Mech fans, we are back, and for a change, the Mech Bros are back together for this episode, so it is double the Kiwi accents for you. Uh, how's the Mech decking going for you, Captain Cat? <laughs> we got some big decks coming up for sure with the, in this episode. Or <laughs> 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 well, maybe we'll save them for later, I suppose, won't we? Yeah, six big decks, yep, absolutely. <laughs> right, so as the title suggests, we are talking faction play today. Uh, but f- before we did get into that, uh, we do have a few other things to cover in the introduction. Uh, the Marshall Olympiad Reborn has wrapped up and the comp scene has rolled straight into the Innersphere Coalition. And uh, now that is a 6 versus 6 Innersphere only tournament and it's hosted by the guys at Aces Wild. Uh, now we are a couple of rounds through at the moment and the action has been pretty good. Uh, so yeah, make sure that you do check that one out. Uh, Captain Cat, you are taking part. Uh, any any thoughts on the tournament thus far? Uh, yeah, it's been it's been really really interesting, and I mean, doing it straight hot off the heels of the MOR has been an interesting counterpoint as well. You know, going down to the six v six and just the Innisfear mechs. Oh, I need a pop tart hunchback. How am I going to do that? <laughs> I can't make one. Uh, it's quite an interesting little uh, riddle for us uh, drop deck creators to work out. And then the, you know, the really tight rotation of maps has been an interesting um, aspect of the rules as well. I like how it's different. And uh, yeah, I think Aces Wild kind of stated really uh, that they did want to do something that hasn't already been done. And uh, as a viewer and a spectator this time around, I've, uh, I've really enjoyed seeing those uh, Innisfear mechs uh, cracking into each other, the old tanky uh, mediums going uh, at each other. Uh, any patterns or anything in particular that you've seen thus far or noticed? Definitely things coming out of the woodwork that people have very quickly picked up on. Like uh, in the first couple of weeks, we're seeing those Victor 9A1s getting used a lot. And you're really showing the strength of the Innisphere 40 tonners so far, I think, in conjunction with some of those big tanky assaults as well. But I I think that one of the most interesting aspects of the ISC is going to be that Swiss system and how that plays out. I mean, we're only week three, I guess, by the time this episode comes out, we're well into week three. How how it streams you into the skill level where where best suits your team, I think, will be interesting towards the end of the tournament. At the the top, we've seen a few stomps and things like that and a a few upsets, which has been great. Um, but as it, as it goes forward, I think the games are just going to get tighter and tighter, and that's really where it's going to hit its straps and show show the strengths of that format. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's um, I think it's from round three that we'll probably see uh, the Swiss system come and come to its own. And uh, yeah, we uh, we expected that in those first couple of weeks. I think that it was going to be um, you know, a bit tough for, for some of the lower seeded teams. But uh, yeah, good on Aces Wild and. Um, I uh, I also enjoy the idea of uh, winning MC per drop, uh, which I think uh, you covered uh, in the episode that you did with uh, Not Bob and and Kellen, and uh, I think that's almost awesome as well because it gives every team something to uh, fight for every drop. So yeah, tournament's been great. Uh, do go and check that out uh, if you haven't already. Uh, as with all comp, uh, you head along to Twitch uh, where most of the action is covered. 
Uh, you can, of course, head to the MWO Comp Discord or the Aces Wild website itself. Now, uh, as at the time of recording Captain Cat, we also have the Rifleman 2C coming out in a couple of days. And uh, now this is the biggest hat on a mech that I've ever seen. Any, any <laughs> thoughts on the Rifleman? Uh, well, I mean, speculation is rife on the Rifleman. That uh, Where is that hat going to sit uh, in terms of hitboxes if it's... Uh, if it's all CT or not, uh, will make it very easy to hit from any angle for sure. But in saying that, it's the build kind of builds that you can put on this mech are really, really strong. So it potentially is going to need something to hold it back. And, and PGI have also hit it with some pretty decent quirks as well, considering that it's a clan mech. So it, it may just need something to stop it becoming an absolute monster. Yeah, really good point. I know you've mentioned it before, and I know you talked about it with uh, even the uh, Marauder uh, that came out recently as well and the big gun on top and uh, exactly what hitbox counts for the gun and where you can hit it from. So yeah, that's probably the important thing to keep in mind if uh, people are getting upset at the uh, big hat that it's wearing and the fact that you can get it hit from anywhere. Uh, that might be something deliberate given the fact that it uh, has all those other pluses going for it. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a be able to take like 100 ton type builds so yeah <laughs> or at least 90 ton type builds with the you know six ac2s and the gorse gorse lasers and all sorts of other things but we'll see how much of a monster it is in the coming days i expect yeah absolutely and probably the next time we talk we'll uh, we'll be able to talk a little bit more about just how op it is but uh yeah looking forward to that again something different and uh yeah gotta love that big hat <laughs> needs a bolt-on needs a top hat bolt-on as well or a monocle. I know a lot of people have asked for monocles <laughs> to go with those top hats for the, for the Urbies. So yeah, let's see that uh, PGI. Let's see some uh, top hat and monocle bolt-ons. All right. So uh, before we do get into the main topic, as always, we would like to give a massive thank you to our fantastic patrons uh, whose support helps bring you the podcast today. Uh, so to Live, Dan N, John, Jacob Sawyer, Shaky Snake, Brios, and Chill Gapson. Uh, thank you so much for your support. And uh, now we did give away a mech pack and some MC to some of these awesome mech warriors this month uh, using the support that they had provided to us. So uh, remember, for as little as $2 a month, you can become a patron of the podcast uh, and again, go into the draw to win a monthly mech pack. So uh, yeah, help keep these Kiwi bros going uh, and uh, throw us some support. Please, I'm so hungry. <laughs> All right, so in today's episode, we are shifting our focus to faction play. And uh, as you probably know, the game mode has, uh, I guess, been under the spotlight since last year when uh, we had that forum post from Just Call Me Ash. Uh, and Just Call Me Ash really kind of started the ball rolling, just asking some questions and getting some suggestions around faction play. Uh, now, Paul has been pretty actively involved in light of that. We had some announcements or some indication uh, at the latest Metcon that they were going to do some stuff uh, and they highlighted I guess maybe a rough roadmap of what we might expect uh, and yeah in fact the change process itself is underway uh, there's been a couple of PTSs thus far and uh, I guess Paul and Chris are busily in the back getting some feedback as to what those changes are looking like and what we might finish up with. So uh, given the focus, we thought we might begin a series on faction play uh, and at least give you a few quick guides to some of the dis different aspects of that game mode. 
Uh, now what we plan to do is not necessarily go into a huge amount of detail, uh, but we do want to cover, I guess, some of the basics. Uh, it can be a game mode that is a little bit enigmatic or a little bit mysterious, or people uh, will play it without necessarily understanding, I guess, some of the finer details. Now in the first episode, we're going to begin with a quick guide to actually playing a faction play game. Now it's stuff I guess that many listeners or many seasoned players are probably really familiar with, uh, but the things that are worth outlining so that you can get into faction play and understand what you are getting in for. Uh, if you are a potato like me and sometimes fail to take notice of some of the things that you're supposed to and basically rely on my co-host uh, to tell me how things are supposed to run and what I'm supposed to do, uh, then hopefully you'll find these episodes useful. If you already are a seasoned pro, uh, you might be able to tell us about those things that we missed. So uh, whether it be knowing about what drop decks to have prepped, uh, the different strengths between IS and clan, uh, what to expect from drop calling in faction play. Uh, there are some kind of general things that we will cover today so you know what to expect. Now do remember it is the first episode in this series uh, and we do plan to cover some different things. Uh, of course the changes that will happen as well we will cover those things off. Uh, so if there is something that we don't cover we may be covering it in future uh, but if you're if you think there's anything that was missed or there's anything that you would like us to cover, uh, be sure to pop a comment below uh, in the comment section or flick us a message. Uh, you can tweet at us or send us an email. Uh, yeah, do suggest uh, things that you would like us to cover in these quick guides. So make sure you have picked advanced zoom in the skill tree, have equipped at least two strikes and have hit select in the loading screen after you've made the changes to your drop deck because uh, we're about to launch. As mentioned in the intro, we are looking at faction play and in particular some quick guides to understanding the game mode, uh, right from clicking on that faction play button from the home screen uh, to collecting your millions of C bills at the end. Uh, now, if you are new to the game, uh, you may be you may not be quite up to play on the ins and outs of the game mode. Uh, this is a little bit of a beginner's guide. Uh, so we will do, to start with, a very quick run through of the game mode uh, just to paint a little bit of context. So Faction Play itself is a separate game mode uh, that's meant to be a little bit more narrative driven, a story based approach to playing out that conflict uh, between the game's factions, houses and clans uh, and essentially you compete for the territory and the planets that uh, make up the Battletech universe. Uh, and you see that stuff via a large kind of star map uh, as you click and go in. Now whilst solo and group queue represent kind of one-off battles between random 12 mech groups uh, and Solaris is this gladiatorial 1v1 or 2v2, a faction plays the game mode that involves two main types of conflicts, uh, a major battle that's known as invasion uh, and that involves each pilot bringing a tonnage limited drop deck of four mechs and you also have scouting mode which is a 4v4 conflict uh, between mechs below a certain tonnage uh, and in scouting of course you're set to achieve objectives that feed into the invasion mode. 
There are some faction play only maps, uh, which can make it quite a bit different from quick play. Uh, and it's fair to say that while you can play faction play solo, uh, really the intention of the game mode is to provide uh, a medium for groups and units to fight against each other. Uh, so playing alone can be difficult. You know, the mode does assume that there's going to be a fairly high level of coordination uh, and teamwork. And as uh, Captain Cat says, you know, you can carry as a solo in quick play, but it's really, really hard to carry as a solo in faction play. So ideally, you should be playing the mode as part of a team, and that's really what it tries to encourage. Uh, it also requires you to pick a faction, obviously, hence the name, uh, meaning that you'll, when you do play, you'll either be using either all IS mechs or all clan mechs. And of course, you will be representing a certain house or clan in the battles that you are fighting in. It is kind of simple once you've played a little bit, uh, but it can be bloody confusing to start with, uh, especially given you know the complicated way that you actually have to navigate and click on uh, to get through to playing. So what we're going to do in this episode is cover off okay, some of the general principles and the things that you need to do to actually get into a match and play a match, uh, and we're going to tackle that chronologically uh, from before you get in to when you finish. Is that about right, Captain Gat? Yeah, yeah, you got it. And it, it really can be quite intimidating to get into these things. So, I mean, hopefully we'll, we can provide enough of a, a leg up for those who are interested in giving it a go to get started and, and try it out. Yeah, that's, that's really my key aim from this one. So before we talk the mechanics, Captain Cat, uh, did you want to talk a little bit about what the appeal is of playing faction play? Why play faction play instead of group Q or solo Q? Those of us who've played a number of um, quick play games that I'm so many that I'm not really prepared to admit. I, I, <laughs> I think uh, it's nice to have a new challenge and, and faction play really does represent an extra challenge um, above and beyond what is available in a quick play game. And there's, there's, it has its share of stomps for sure, but there can be some really tight and close games where it really comes down to the final seconds. And obviously that's what you're looking for. In, in any kind of competitive game is a, is a close game. Close game is a good game, and um, faction play does give you the opportunity for those the best experience in that regard, in my opinion. As you mentioned, it is explicitly marketed as a team, as intended for teams to play on it. And so, you know, getting in there and, and almost treating it like a competitive game, getting your mix sorted, what, do you go, what is everyone going to bring? How are you going to tackle this problem is a nice challenge, which is, um, I guess, a step, step down from comp, but a step up from quick players somewhere in the middle. And for us in particular, I mean, the group queue is completely dead in our time zone. So really, faction play represents the last bastion for us to even play together. Eh? And I guess to add to that, it, it really is marketed, I guess, at units. You know, you play not only as a team, but you get the sense, I guess, more than group queue of one unit versus another unit. So it kind of has that appeal as well. And yeah, as you say, for us, say in Oceanic, it really, we can't really play group queue. It's just not really live. So faction play becomes really the only way that we can get that feeling and play out the um, mech warrior unit stuff. Yeah, and there's those units that are, that are really well known and regarded within faction play as well um, as being sort of stalwarts of the mode and um, 
they're kind of boogeyman's to go up against who because they've you know got the experience and and a tight unit that knows what they're doing and there's playing out the teamwork not only in the actual mechanics of the game but uh, faction play i guess as we mentioned is maybe a little bit more connected to the story of the battletech universe uh, than maybe some of the other game modes so you know if you know about the lore and if you know about what the units and the houses and the factions represent uh, faction play also gives you the chance to almost role play that out a little bit as well oh yeah that's that's a really good point that that this represents the you know the closest ties to those lore-based aspects of the of the Battletech universe that are available in MechWarrior Online, and it and it's a great tie-in to just mention as well that 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 there is a patch coming out around this time, and and without going into too much detail, one of the major changes that they're looking at making is giving faction play a little bit more reason to be, a little bit more story and um, sort of flavor to tie it back into those sort of law-based conflicts and um i think that's something that is you know sorely needed actually for faction play is why are we why are we fighting yeah and, and it's probably one of the difference makers really eh? it's one of those things that draws you to faction play even if you do like even if you do like the mech math and that kind of stuff it, it is cool to feel as though you are working towards something story-based and uh, yeah particularly for those people that understand the law uh, and are part of a unit and are loyalists to a unit and it represents something to them uh, yeah, those improves to the story mode was identified as something that was a little bit lacking, and it'll be really interesting to see yeah, what changes they make to kind of emphasise that part of the game. While, while we're talking about patch notes, I would just like to um, highlight that there there is some stuff that we may mention that will immediately be superseded by what's uh, what's coming. So because, I mean, those patch notes, it's a couple of paragraphs for what is a, a really a decent-sized revamp of the mode. So don't exactly know how some of the things are going to work out, like how they're going to exactly work certain UI aspects of it and all that kind of thing. So hopefully, hopefully it's still relevant, but there may be some small things here and there that are not, are not anymore. Yeah. yeah, we'll do it. We will do what we can with what we know. That uh, is probably fair. Yeah, for sure. Captain uh, Keto, one of the parts that um, I quite like about faction play as well. Another one of the appeals is uh, it almost takes the uh, mech math to that next level a lot of us like the mech lab stuff i know that you're a bit of a savant in the mech lab that's another cool thing about faction play of course is the it uh, it quadruples the mech math yeah for sure i mean being able to work out how you're gonna cram your mechs that you want to bring within your 255 or 265 ton limit depending on whether your clan or is 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 another whole aspect to it and then of course there's certain parameters that are um, pushed upon you by by the game modes and and just by it being faction play that create different requirements for designing your mechs. Like if you want to make a mech that lasts the whole battle, well, it's going to have to last through four rounds of combat. It's going to either need a hell of a lot of ammo or it's going to need to bring lasers, for example, just as one example. Yeah, being able to get through a whole engagement with a with one mech is 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 one way one small challenge you can give yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And it's almost the inverse to Solaris, so you might want to uh, you know, ad- adopt a build or adapt your build uh, for Solaris and the fact you're only going to be taking on one mech, uh, whereas Faction plays kind of the other end of the continuum where you may have to battle against 48 mechs, so that's quite different. Yeah, it's a really good, that's a really good example to, to talk about Solaris where you're, you know, you're trying to fine-tune your build because you'll only need a, a limited amount of ammo while you're on the opposite end here. 
All right, Captain Cat, uh, our uh, listeners are at the home screen. They're really keen to play faction play. Talk to us a little bit about the pregame before I even get into a game and can start shooting at mechs. Uh, what's the pregame bring us uh, in the faction play world? All right. So if you click on that uh, faction play button up the top of the screen, you're immediately presented with the star map and then a whole lot of buttons with this patented UI that PGI uh, <laughs> only is only PGI can make UIs like this. So there's just buttons everywhere. And then some of the most important info is represented with some of the smallest text. And yeah, let's <laughs> let's crack into this and see what we can find. So on the left side, you've got a, a left side at the top. You've got a, a bunch of buttons which pertain to the faction play, uh, career selection, Enosphere map, and so on. So in the career selection, you'll uh, be asked if you want to be a loyalist, a mercenary, or a freelancer. Now, basically, at this time, I'm going to recommend you just go right ahead and be a mercenary because there's no huge advantages to being a loyalist at this time, unless, of course, you want to go down that law route and, and pledge loyalty to a particular faction and um, cosplay, role play, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> I love dressing up as robot. <laughs> I don't know if any of them are robots, <laughs> but yeah, you, I think you got the general idea. So yeah, so if you if you pick loyalist, you'll have a 10, 10 game probation, and then you'll start earning extra rewards ab above and beyond what you'll normally earn at the end of the game. So there is some advantages to that. For example, if you're a purely free-to-play pilot, you don't put any money into the game at all, it's a great way to farm um, mech base. I think every three ranks or whatever that you earn by playing multiple faction play games, you'll get a you'll get a mech bay um, and some tat for your um, cockpit and things like that r related to the faction that you're loyal to. But generally speaking, mercenary is where most people choose to pledge their loyalties these days. You can jump around depending on where the battles are. If you want to switch to IS and clan and those kind of things and not have to do those probation matches over and over again. And then freelancer again. This, this is probably one of those things that might actually change quite a lot uh, following the patch. But yeah, for, for now, freelancer is, is just best to be avoided. Factions, you can learn about the factions in there if you don't know anything about them. Uh, otherwise, I'd recommend you head to sana.net and check out some of the lore around those. Unit. Now, you have to be in a unit to be a mercenary or a loyalist. Uh, and that unit, if you don't want to join a unit of real living people, you can just make your own unit. And then the contracts are where you go as a mercenary to take a contract um, to pledge sort of mercenary loyalty to the highest bidder uh, in there. And uh, the rest of the buttons, ah, yeah. So the faction reputation, as you play more games as a mercenary, once again, just like if you pledge loyalty to any of those units, you'll earn certain rewards as you reach milestones and um, XP sort of running through those. The rest of those, I mean, they're kind of self-explanatory. Explore those if you wish. Leaderboards. You can modify your drop decks in here. You can do it from all over the UI within MechWarrior, but this is one of the places you can do it. You can still do it in the lobby as well if you want to tweak your drop deck once you see all the parameters of the game. And yeah, war history shows you what's what's happened recently. And that's that, that battle for territory. But, I mean, but basically you're saying that uh, firstly, of course, you need to select a career and the career that you select will 
dictate uh, some of the rewards that you get. Uh, and of course, you do have to be part of a unit to be able to participate. Yeah, that's 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 a basic summary. Right, now uh, I've done all that, Captain Cat, and uh, I am ready to play now. What are some other things that I might need to know before I click on the Fight Now button? Right, so there's two major aspects to faction play. There is the, the main faction play battles, and then there's the scout drops. Now, scout drops, we're not really going to cover in this, but they're light and medium mechs only, and um, 4v4 and they uh, contribute towards um, certain little um, bonuses that you have in the main uh, faction play battle, surveillance sweeps and things like that, and a li- little bit of info on what kind of mechs the enemy team's bringing, depending on who's winning those, which uh, faction is winning those scouting drops. But beyond that, just on the top right, right under the Fight Now button, there is a, little, a couple of tiny little numbers, and they tell you, uh, how many people are in the faction play queue right now? And then there is two symbols, an orange one and an aqua-colored one. The orange one representing IS and the aqua-colored aqua one representing clan. So that is supposed to tell you through some sort of um, osmosis or something like that, that the left number represents Innisphere queue and the right number represents clan. So that's literally how many people are in those queues. So if it says 10 and 2, that means that there is 10 people searching for in the Innisphere queue and 2 people searching in the clan queue. Yeah, obviously you're trying to make teams of 12. So that's really important. You want to go in and play, and if those numbers are low, and if you're by yourself or your group is not big enough, then you're going to be waiting around. So uh, that was a relatively recent addition. I think uh, some, something that uh, players had been asking for for quite a while. Uh, but uh, yeah, even with it added in there, it's not necessarily obvious what it means. Uh, so yeah, Captain Cat has at least outlined for us what you should expect there. Have a look at that number to see uh, exactly whether you're going to get a game quickly or not. Yeah, and be- beyond that, so if those numbers are low and you'd like to, and you feel like you might as well not start searching right now, what you can do is look for those call to arms pop-ups that pop up on the bottom right, and those tell you when the when there is uh, one of those factions is in a lobby waiting for a, an opponent to form, and that's a really good cue that it might be a good idea to jump in and 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 queue up for the become part of the opponent's team. And then the third way uh, that you can try and get into a game is to look for the faction play stalwarts. So there's certain names out there. You'll learn these as you go along. There's people who are just constantly playing faction play and forming groups to do it. And you can sit yourself in the looking for groups queue within the friends list there and maybe get picked up by someone in there to uh, participate in a faction play game there. Let's call that an advanced technique. (laughs) And of course, to remember that uh, the game mode is aimed at groups. And so whilst you can drop solo, uh, the experience is probably going to be pretty different for you. So yeah, those are a couple of other good tips there that uh, if you are going to play, do be uh, in a group or try and uh, try and jag a group somewhere to get in there. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to head over to the MW Comp Discord and look at the team info channel there, you can scout through the different teams that play in your time zone and maybe jump in with one of them. You don't necessarily have to commit to joining the unit straight away, but you can easily find people to play with who might be keen for some faction play. Nice. Good shout out there, Captain Cat. Right, so I have uh, done that. I'm queued up. There's enough people to uh, form a group. Uh, I click on that Fight Now button, 
uh, and I need to click on another button then. Is that right? Uh, no, actually. What, what you need to click on after you click on Fight Now is Fight Now. Uh, and that will, that, that will start you. Yeah, that will that will queue out queue you up to be looking for a lobby. Right. And so then then that number on that tiny little number, you'll be able to see it shaded out in the background while you're searching will increase by one, and that is you. And uh, once that number reaches twelve or there or thereabouts, maybe a little more, uh, then you should get a lobby. Right, so um, as Captain Cat has alluded to in regards to the UI, uh, you will click on Fight Now in that screen that we described. You will then go to a second screen and you can Fight Now and you can choose either that Invasion mode uh, or the Scouting mode. Uh, and uh, yeah, they will be kind of in the top left and you'll see a progress bar, but there will be another Fight Now button to click on. So you'll need to click a second time uh, to actually get in there. Right, so we have hit the lobby. This will be relatively familiar to me because I have played solo queue and group queue. Uh, what should I expect from the faction play lobby, Captain Cat? Right, so there's quite a lot of information that you're presented with here, and it's all pretty important for you to base your next decisions off. And you've either got 10 minutes to work this out or one minute, depending on whether the enemy lobby has also formed. So you really got to get a wriggle on if you've only got one minute, now, this is one of the things that actually we don't know. The patch notes don't tell us exactly how this aspect of the game is going to work. I suspect, but I couldn't tell you for sure just yet, that every lobby will be a one-minute lobby from here on out because of the way that they're changing how the matchmaker works for this updated faction play. All right, so we got we got to move quickly now, right? We've got one minute. So <laughs> the clock's ticking, right? So the first thing to look at is the map mode. So it's either going to be Siege, which is the large faction play game mode, or it's going to be one of the quick play game modes. Now, I'm going to assume you know those quick play game modes like Conquest, Domination, things like that, and how they work. But there is a few small gotchas in there. One of them is that Conquest is now 1250 tickets, and this game mode will almost certainly be decided on caps, right? So that means that in this drop deck screen, your team is going to need to get organized to have some lights in the first wave probably about a lance worth of them to just smash the caps right from this get-go because if you get behind it's really really hard to catch up okay so that's that's one game mode thing that's relevant right now domination i have seen a couple of domination matches lost because everybody brought annihilators and nobody got to the circle <laughs> and that is a little bit sad so make sure you've got at least one mech that you know it can at least hit 80 kph perhaps and yeah beyond that whether we're looking at whether we're attacking or defending. And this is one of the um, aspects where faction play really is quite asymmetric because defense is just, honestly, it's just a hell of a lot easier. And uh, for attack and defense, uh, that's for the siege mode invasion map. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So if it's one of the um, quick play modes, then, you know, it's just pretty much like quick play, conquest, domination, blah, 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 apart from those small gotchas that I've mentioned. Yep, and it's the 12.50 tickets for Conquest and Domination is now 90 seconds rather than a minute. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in detail when we get into actually running the drop. Yeah, if it's Siege, then you'll either be attacking or defending. Generally speaking, the defense it has a lot of an, a lot easier job of it. Okay, and why is it easier to defend on these maps, Captain Cat, rather than attack? The defenders really just have to, this most basic level, they have to sit and it's the attacker's job 
to make something happen and get in there and and um, charge the enemy firing lines. So the defenders have a, quite a static role, and they can kind of just sit and farm the attackers as they come in. And the attackers really have to work very hard to to win in this game mode. And you know, it's kind of a pro and a con to to faction play. It's it's an asymmetric game mode, so it can be quite hard to to make it happen as an attacker. Okay. And because we're in the lobby and we can construct a drop deck, depending on whether we're attack or defense, we need to think about what drop deck we've got because it may be a little bit harder for us. Exactly, exactly. So if you're, if you're defense, you can probably bring something that's a bit slower that can just pump out a bunch of damage and, and it doesn't really matter how long it takes to get there because all you're going to do is go to the place where you're defending and stay there uh, for the most part. And, and as the attacker, you know, the opposite is true. You'll need to be moving around. You need to walk miles and miles to get to the gates. And I think if you're looking for a gauge of what to do, just have a look around in that lobby and um, have a look at what your teammates are bringing, right? Because you'll have, you'll have a bunch of friends who are on your team. Look for unit tags. Look for people who are playing together. Try to follow their lead. If they're all bringing Madcap Bs, then maybe you should bring a Madcap B. Right, so I am in the lobby and uh, I am making sure that I can see what mode we're playing uh, and what map is involved and that's going to give me an idea of what kind of drop deck that I could bring. Uh, there is the ability to chat to the people that I am in the lobby with. So if I do need to ask about what uh, mechs to bring, when or what type of mechs to bring, depending on what the strategy is, I can do that in there as well. Uh, and of course, I've uh, had a quick look at uh, what the opponents are bringing uh, and uh, the unit tags to see whether uh, they are coordinated groups or not. Obviously, the pretty important part of this lobby is the drop decks, and that's down there at the bottom, and you'll see the little four mechs lined up there, and then there'll be a little pencil icon that I can click on if I want to edit those. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about these drop decks, Captain Cat. So as usual with PGI, the most important aspect of the UI is the smallest. So just look down next to your mix down on the bottom left side. Um, there's that tiny white pencil. That is where you can modify your drop deck from within the lobby. Okay, so if you click on that, it presents you with your, your mech lab, a list of all your mechs. Can't change any of the loadouts or anything like that, but you can select them. Uh, so that's where you've got don't forget we're on a timer here, but you've got to go through and uh, select your four mechs to make your drop deck of 255, 265 tons there or thereabouts. And if I can just add here, Captain Cat, we could have prepped some drop decks prior to coming in, uh, but if we have those drop decks prepped, we don't necessarily know what game or mode we're going to be on. So we, we may have some prepped, but we may find that those prepped ones don't do the job. Exactly right. So. I have a bunch of, I actually have eight drop decks. Now, they are, it should be said that they are quite expensive to buy. I think they're like 1250 MC or something. Is that right? Yeah, 1250 or 1200. They're quite expensive. So it is quite an outlay, but it just saves the hassle of modifying it every time. So I've got eight, I've got ECM, I've got Brawl, I've got Range, I've got Rush. And I've got those four drop decks for both factions, IS and Clan, because at my unit jumps around. We're not, we're not a, uh, we don't cosplay. 
<laughs> we don't dress up. Um, so, well, some of us do. Oh well, <laughs> I guess I should speak for myself. <laughs> I don't dress up as a Steiner, so I regularly drop as IS or clan, depending on where the um, numbers are needed, so that we can get games and things like that. That's the most important thing to us is being able to get games. So we chop and change all the time. But yeah, so I'm going. I'm generally speaking, I'm going in and tweaking what I, what is already there. And that's what you should be doing too. You should be prepping your drop decks outside of the lobby and then um, tweaking them inside the lobby. This is obviously such an important part there, Tal. We are going to cover drop decks specifically in a uh, whole episode of its own. Uh, but effectively, Captain Cat, I'm looking at some of the factors that are going into this game and I'm trying to pick the mech combination that's going to allow me to, to do as well as I can, uh, depending on what the, the mode in the map is, right? Yeah, exactly right. So if it's a close range fight, you might want to bring DACA. If it's a long range, you might want to bring ER large lasers and things like that, generally speaking. And you might have those prepped and ready to go. So you can just select the drop deck or you might actually need to go in and construct it on the fly. But of course, that does depend on how much time you've got on the timer. Uh, and that can that can certainly rush you, right? Oh, yeah, I've, I've spent a lot of time sweating over those uh drop decks only to uh, run out of time in the last seconds and and it, it must be said as well that you really need to click select which is another little button just down near the pencil there's a blue button and that selects the drop deck that you've created so by default it uses the drop deck that you had when you came into the lobby but you can change that but it won't uh, sort of activate until you click that select button and also you need to do it within about five seconds of the timer running out to really guarantee that it'll be locked in i've seen plenty of people who say i clicked select and i've got the wrong drop deck well <laughs> yeah you clicked it too late it's and it's so important i guess it's small and out of the way <laughs> yeah you got it you got it <laughs> it's a small blue button it is bigger than the pencil, though, at least. <laughs> and very quickly, of course, uh, you may sit in the lobby for the entire 10 minutes, right? Of course, uh, it's not guaranteed that you will get an opponent, and that is called a... Ghost drop. For which you will get some rewards. It's a pretty easy way to make some money, you know? Get sit. Once you've got your drop deck sorted out, and you've picked your first mech, which you also need to do, like you're, you're uh, part of the act of choosing a drop deck is selecting the first mech that you'll drop in then you can just go make a cup of tea while that timer runs down and come back and look at it now and then. If after 10 minutes you've made a few hundred thousand seabells, well, not too bad a result. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, as mentioned, of course, the mech math and the drop deck construction is probably one of the most important and often discussed aspects uh, of faction play. And, yeah, you're going to make that a little bit easier on everyone, Captain Cat, I believe. Yeah, we're looking to produce, for the next episode in this series, we're looking to produce a sort of a community resource, which is like a repository for some drop decks with a bunch of contributors from people who sort of names in the community who play faction play all the time. And a bunch of people have told me they're going to. But if you want to contribute, if you think you've got something to say, some neat ideas for drop decks uh, for some of those uh, faction play siege maps, just drop me a line through Discord, Captain Cat, and uh, and I'll uh, look at getting your contribution included. Fantastic. We uh, look forward to putting together a bit of a recipe book, and basically everyone out there will be able to do what I do and just ask someone who knows better about what to do for a drop <laughs> deck, which is, is really good for, for someone like me. Yeah, at least you can get some ideas, eh? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You can always season to taste. 
So the uh, we've been successful, we've got the drop deck that we need, we understand the map, the mode, we understand what's going to come up and what's going to be required objective-wise uh, in the faction play map that's coming up. I know that I've got four mechs, uh, and when I die, I will redrop uh, in a mech of my choice from my drop deck. Talk to me a little bit, Captain Cat, about the drop itself, because faction play can be a lot different, of course, from uh, group queue or solo queue. All right. So the title for this section I've called PTFO, uh, which hopefully you guys already know means play the an objective, right? So as we've alluded, alluded to already, um, you should be aware that the secondary objective does come into play in faction play more often than it does in quick play. And I guess what you mean by then, Captain Cat, you mentioned before about the, the 1250 caps for conquest. In, in solo queue, uh, we may be able to just go and kill everyone and then cap afterwards. Uh, but in something like faction play, because there's going to be 48 mechs that you're playing against, it's much, much harder to do that. So the objectives themselves are super important. Or of course, if I'm playing siege mode, I have to focus the objectives, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. You can't win unless you win by objective in siege mode. At least at some point, you can kill all the enemy mechs and then win by objective. But, but yeah, so yeah, the the conquest is a perfect example. I I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty confident that I have never seen conquest and faction play won by killing all the enemy mechs. Do you agree? Yeah, I can't think. I mean, countless, countless times it's come down to caps. I can't remember one time. So that means that you can pretty definitively say that this this mode will be decided on caps, and then uh, that means that your team really needs to, ha like I mentioned before, have that Lancer Lights who just make it their job to stay on top of the caps, and then you put your tonnage on another cap, and you can't really afford to fall behind in that. It's really, really hard to hold any more than three caps, and three to two caps uh, that three to two ratio just really your progress at coming back on the enemy team is so slow that really i i always play my mindset is never get behind in conquest and of course there's there's spawn points when we play uh, faction play the places that you will uh, come back into uh, when you redrop and some caps will be closer to the opponent's spawn points so it'll be much easier for them to control those caps which is super different from solo queue Exactly right. So you can be deep behind enemy lines doing a sneaky and all of a sudden a dropship comes and drops some opponents right on top of you. And if the dropship doesn't kill you, then they probably will. <laughs> so yeah, it, it really is quite hard to get, get on top of those cat points that are deep within enemy territory and, and hold them for any decent length of time. So then we've got incursion. And again, this is often decided by which team has damaged the enemy base the most. So having a wolf pack of lights to get in and do some damage to their enemy base so that's on them to try and come back at you is pretty good strategic decision or at least defending your base really really hard and making sure nobody slips through the cracks and in this you need to be be wary of nsrs and an nsr is <laughs> oh yeah sorry uh, so the nsr is also known as a no skill rush definitely a derogatory term that one but uh <laughs> so that is when so, for example, the possibly the worst version of this is the enemy team brings 12 assassins and just charges straight through all of your team while you're marching to the front. They just run straight past you, deflecting every bullet because they're assassins and they can't be killed, and goes into your base, destroys it. GG, no re. <laughs> Nobody wants to 
nobody wants to play after that. That's a rage quit, that one. <laughs> and the same is true of Assault. You've got, to, you've got to be wary of people just charging straight through you and ending the game within the first minute. So, you know, you can play defensively against that, assume that's going to happen bring mechs that can take down assassins really quickly and hopefully have some utility outside of that role. You don't want to be locked into something that doesn't happen. But yeah, just be wary of that, the possibility that that might happen and um, play accordingly. That's the best, I can, the best advice I could give, I guess, there. Skirmish. So the secondary objective on skirmish is most kills. And often skirmish games do go to which team has the most kills at timeout. Um, so... As you get towards the end of the game, you need to start watching that kill counter and thinking which team is ahead, and then that team should go defensive and turtle. I mean, I can't definitively say that because there's plenty of situations where that might not be true, but generally speaking, if you're ahead, it's on the enemy team to act, and they can push your firing line if they want, and you get to just pick that great defensive spot and murder them as they come at you. Domination, control of the circle is paramount. I've seen plenty of games lost because the enemy team just fell back against the tidal wave of oncoming attackers and got outside the circle and the timer ticked down and it was GG right from the right from the first few minutes of the game because it just got pushed straight out of the circle. This is one of those few faction play ones that can be won quite early, eh, Captain Cat, you know, because uh, one team just pushes in and pushes another team right off it, and then the time taken to redrop uh, is enough time for them to, to chew through those 90 seconds to win. Well, that's the, other, that's the other version of it as well, is that you know you can just get down to where you've only got three or four mechs on the front line, and then everybody else is redropping. Those three or four mechs get pushed, and yeah, that's it, GG, really. So you've really got to watch that front line and sort of uh, curate it or look at it or look after it um, so that it, it can hold back the enemy team while you bring in your reinforcements and never get to the point where you've only got a few mechs trying to hold that circle all by themselves. All right, which leads us on to the main course, and that's Siege. So this is the main faction play battle. You've got the maps are custom-made, bespoke for the mode, the, the five-second review of Siege. You've got these lanes, which lead up to gates. You destroy the the gate generators to open the gates, make your way past the turrets and the defenders, and destroy the Ogens, the Omega generators, before finally destroying the Omega weapon itself, which is a giant gorse rifle that can shoot up into space within the time limit of the match. And again, the time limit does factor in fairly regularly into this game mode. So, I mean, one thing to emphasize, I guess, at this point, Captain Kat, you've talked about uh, some of the different game modes that we'll come across in Invasion, but... One of the things that separates faction play out uh, from uh, quick play is the importance of the objectives. And you've, uh, you, you'll talk a little bit about it more with Siege, but even with those other game modes like Conquest, Incursion, uh, even with Assault and Skirmish uh, and Domination, the objectives play a far more important role than they would in quick play. It is so much harder to get away with just trying to kill the mechs and then achieve the objective afterwards. In faction play, you have got to play the fucking objective. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, love it or hate it. Some people will hate that aspect of it, of, of it, to be fair. like, And even in quick play, you see people complaining because it's a conquest or whatever. Personally, I like you know, the variation. I've played enough games in MechWarrior where I'm looking for some variation now. 
and I, I, I like having the um, the objectives factoring into the decision making that I'm doing, and having that. And of course, the, the need to play objectives will will put some other demands or some other differences on faction play. It will mean that teamwork is more important, as we talked about. Coordination is more important. The the need to be coordinated to achieve those objectives as well, whether it be holding a front line or not collapsing a front line in domination, or whether it's you know focusing gens uh, in siege. And what it can mean is that uh, when teams are a little bit more equally matched in skill, uh, the objectives become even more important because that becomes obviously uh, the more likely way that you're going to win because teams can can be defensive, uh, they can play in a way that uh, means that they're not as likely to die. And again, that just puts the emphasis on objectives because if time runs out, you know you need to be a certain way on to achieving the objective. The number one thing that will win you games is communication, talking to people. Hopefully you've got a unit in your drop. Look for those unit tags and ask them if you if they're going to call for you. Now there's some good reasons why uh, they should be the ones calling it. Number one, they're probably in a Discord or a TeamSpeak talking to each other anyway, and you just basically want to be included in their communications. And if they're talking to you, well, then you automatically get an inroad into what they're talking about. And number two, they represent the most players with uh, on your team. So kind of just makes sense that they're going to be working together, playing together, and you can sort of tag along, benefit from their cohesion. You know, focusing targets, going to the same places, covering the same um, angles and those kind of things is, is going to win you a game. And generally speaking, a silent team is a dead team in my experience. If nobody's talking, then that's oftentimes recipe for disaster. And I mean, it's, it's really important that if somebody is having a go at drop calling it's good to respect that they're sticking their neck out and trying to get your team cohesion and getting salty or blaming them for whether you're winning or losing is probably not going to help speaking generally a team that's working together is going to do better uh, than a team that isn't even if what they're doing isn't the optimal strategy so yeah just to do your best to follow the calls to the best of your ability and um, be a good teammate and keep your team alive don't let them die and you'll win <laughs> maybe so captain cat uh, you have covered some of the game modes there and uh, we are in the drop and we understand just how important playing the objective is what are some of the other key things that we do need to keep in mind all right, so let's let's um, move on to a few more general things to keep in mind while you while you're playing the drop. Okay, so the first thing that you're going to find is some bad guys, right? In the the simplest possible terms, with each of your team's drop of twelve mechs, you should be aiming to destroy more than twelve of the enemy team. So keep track of those kill counters up the top uh, center of the screen, because um, that'll let you know roughly where you're at with their first wave. And if you're starting to destroy people into their second wave and you, you your whole team's still on their first wave, well, you're winning. And because if you keep doing that, eventually the enemy team will end up with what I get called permadead, where they run through all four of their mechs. And, and that means that the enemy team's now playing with 11, 10, 9, 8 pilots. And it makes it really snowballs from there with that much less guns on the field. Because if they've got a permadead, they can only field a maximum of 11 mechs if they've got one permadeath. So even though the kill counter might be 30, if they've got two players that are permadeath, they're only going to have 10 mechs on the field, right? Yeah, remembering that that kill counter goes up to 48. 
So that means that there's 18 mechs left to drop, but there may only be 11 pilots to field those mechs. So one person might be still in their first mech while the other person's run through all four of theirs. So big advantage once you start getting some permadeaths. So you're trying to kill more of the enemy uh, mechs than they kill of yours? Sounds easy, right? Well, <laughs> one of the number one things that you'll want to be doing is watching your front line. So looking around you, pressing Q to um, get some information on your teammates, where the percentages are at, and that, that informs your decision on whether to play aggro or play defensive, right? So if everybody around you is at, you know, 90, 100%, then you've got heaps of uh, meat on your bones, plenty of room for aggression, and you can go in and smash, take some risks to smash some enemy teams. Whereas if, you know, there's only six of you there and you're all at 58%, 45%, there's one guy on 100% somehow, what's he been doing? But that's the time to, to turtle up, go defensive, make the enemy team take the risks and um, wait and try and uh, let your team bring some reinforcements in. But generally speaking, you don't want to bring them straight in. And I mean, that guy was looming in the back. I think that's why he's on 100%. But um, And I mean, what you're saying is that much more important, Captain Cap, because uh, the playing the objective in faction play is what's important. Uh, and even though you might be able to kill the mechs in front of you, uh, they people will redrop. And if you continue to push forward with a really thin line and low percentages, trying to continue to be aggressive, then fresh mechs drop and boom, they just run through you. Plus those dropships are aimbotting, man, I swear. So once you go down, you'll be faced with that drop deck screen again. This is where you get a chance to actually choose which of your three remaining mechs you're going to drop in on. And you'll want to do that based on what you've seen just now in the battlefield. If they're bringing a bunch of looms, you might want to bring a sneaky light to get into their backfield and backstab some of them, disrupt some of their lines so that your, you know, your brawlers can push in and, and um, smash, the, get inside their minimum range and cut them a new one while you've got them all turned. Or if they've got a bunch of light mechs and they're really causing your assaults trouble, well, then you want to bring something that kills light mechs. And again, this is where that communication thing comes important, right, Kim Kip? Because you probably want to coordinate that with your team to say, what mech should I bring next? What are we going to do next? Yeah, exactly right. And not everybody needs to be doing exactly the same thing. You know, there's some benefit to having some fast movers and some assaults on the battlefield. But, but generally speaking, yeah, exactly right. You want to coordinate what you're doing and making sure that you're playing your role and you're playing based on the need that's on the battlefield right now. So if I did just die, which I do quite often, uh, and I'm selecting my mech at mech, do I just hit W and go straight back to where I was? <laughs> well, you stumbled into my trap here. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly not. You should not do that. Because, again, as you advance back towards the front line, you'll want to be checking those percentages and seeing where your teammates on the front line are at. Because if they're doomed, if they're all in the sort of 50% range, then what you might find is that you arrive at the front line just in time for them all to die, and then the enemy team just sees you next, and you die, and you've just lost that mech for almost no damage, which is obviously not what you want to do. So generally speaking, what you want to do is reform a new secondary line with the reinforcement mechs, and then all move in together, or at least move in and with the majority of your team. And again, that's taking that teamwork and cohesion aspect to the next level. You can't just hit W and take your mech into where the action's happening like you might in quick play. 
the reality is you have to move as a group, uh, particularly if you are, say, trying to attack Siege, you're trying to take down some gens, you're trying to uh, move through a gate or, or get somewhere, you, you have to move and coordinate as a group. So it's something that you'll hear really often when you're playing uh, faction play is that people will say, don't reinforce, don't reinforce. And that means don't just take your mech up there because, again, if it's by itself, it might get slaughtered. Exactly right. And what the enemy team will often do after destroying your first wave is push out what's called pushing out. So they'll, you know, they've got all this, um, all these beat up mechs. If they can catch some people off guard at your at your reform line, they might be able to damage that second wave of your mechs with their beat up first wave enough that they can put you on the back foot for the next push. You know, these mechs might be mechs that are running out of ammo. They might be running out of arms and legs. <laughs> There's really nothing to be gained by by them just sitting and waiting for your fresh mechs to come and take them. They might be able to catch some uh, some people off guard. And in fact, there's stuff to lose because if I have a beat up mech and when the engagement happens, if I go down quickly, there's going to be a bit of time before I can come back in another mech to help my team, right? So it's best if I'm fresh when that engagement's going to happen. Exactly right. And that's the really good reason to push out and spend your mech, as it's called, is to just get that um, respawn lag out of the way. There's a bit of a countdown after you die. Then you have to come in on the dropship and um, march your way up to the front line, which could be quite far. So there's a bit of a delay, and that can be all that time can be. Your team could get be getting slaughtered. So ideally, you want to be coming in fresh altogether. And when you die is another tactical decision in faction play, which is something tremendously different from the quick play experience. I, as a potato, being an example of a person that doesn't time my death well, so I might hang around too long and not push out, or I might not eject, hoping to get squeeze a little bit of damage, more damage out of the mech I'm using, but then I die when the action's happening and don't help my team. So faction play, again, the, this, this idea that we've talked about of the objective, uh, the tactical nature of this game mode, uh, when you die is another thing that's important and something that you'll want to keep in mind uh, when you're playing the game mode. Yeah, and you mentioned ejecting, and that's something you can't do in quick play either. You can hold down K, uh, and then you'll uh, explode up in a, a ejection seat out of your mech and uh, be able to respawn that way. And, um, you know, you don't want to be trying to look around for an enemy to be the one to destroy you if you've run out of ammo. You can do that. You can make that decision yourself and, and time it, as Cousin's talking about, to be at an appropriate time to be on that wave. Right, everyone. So, I mean, as Captain Kit has covered, there is a lot to consider when you are dropping uh, in faction play. The drop itself uh, much more complex than quick play. Uh, and the fact that you've got more mechs to play just adds to that complexity. And again, I think that's one of those things that makes faction play different and unique uh, and why some people love it as the only uh, mode that they'll play uh, and for some of us we like to get in and play it because it is so different so just to summarize those things remember to play the fucking objective that is the most important thing about the drop when you are in faction play communication remember to drop call or be kind to the drop callers and to communicate even more than you would in uh, quick play uh, remember to keep an eye on the kills 
uh, and uh, note where there might be permadeaths. Remember that uh, the percentages, the front lines, the health of mechs is critically important in faction play so that you can time uh, when you die and when you intervene. Uh, and of course, don't reinforce. That's really, really important. So uh, yeah, keep those things in mind uh, when you are dropping in the game. And you'll win. Yeah, easy. <laughs> <laughs> Just click on their heads. Just click on their heads and you'll win. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you do win, you get some money. Yes. So I am victorious, Captain Cat. I've just spent probably 20 to 25 minutes uh, playing faction play. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I've had an amazing game and got like over 2,000 damage. Wow. What do I get after that? You'll get a decent amount of seabills, you know, kind of one and a half million seabills for a performance like that, I'd say. You'll get a bunch of XP. All those mechs that you used, all those four mechs that you used will get XP. And unless, of course, that you were one of those farm from the back kind of guys and uh, with your advanced zoom, not think of anyone in particular. <laughs> but uh, And then if you, if you were able to get through the whole faction play game with using a single mech, then you'll get over a thousand uh, match score for a game like that, which is kind of mental, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. It is um, one of the things to keep in mind is that faction play and match score does tend to reward survivability. So the number of mechs that you haven't used will, uh, will count towards your match score. So yeah, the rewards are pretty significant and you'll actually end up getting rewarded more if you didn't die. So it's a, it's a little bit weird. I think it kind of encourages uh, survivability, whereas potentially maybe damage or those other objective-based things should probably be rewarded more but uh exactly i mean we've got an objective we're playing the fucking objective and yet we're being rewarded for not taking risks i mean it, it seems like a, a real disconnect there between the kind of um gameplay that is being incentivized and the kind of gameplay that actually wins games absolutely and the last thing you want to encourage is someone to be sitting in the back with advanced zoom avoiding using their armor, uh, not thinking of anyone. But um, again, you know, don't get too salty uh, if you see your match score or see your reward uh, and then the person next to you that did less damage but only used one mech uh, has got double the match score and more C-bills. It is kind of one of the unique things about faction play and hopefully maybe that's one of the things that we might see changed uh, in regards to the, to the PTSs. Yeah, let's incentivize playing the objective, in my opinion. All right, guys, that is probably about enough from Captain Kit and myself. Uh, as mentioned, that is just a quick guide to faction play. There is a lot there that we didn't cover. We didn't uh, get into some of the detail, but we do plan to do that in the episodes moving forward. Faction play is a unique experience. There is a lot that we can talk about. And again, uh, given that we are likely to see some changes coming up, it's something that we are going to switch the reticle to. Uh, and hopefully start bringing some information to you. So as always, uh, we hope you enjoyed what we talked about today. We would be very keen to hear from you. There is a ton of stuff that we probably didn't cover that you think is important about faction play. Uh, so make sure that you do uh, flick us a message on Discord. You do leave a comment below. Uh, or of course, uh, flick us an email and tell us about those kind of things. And if you'd like to contribute to the uh, faction play drop deck, Thing, do get in touch with me because I'm interested in hearing for what you have to say. 
Absolutely, let's uh, put together a little bit of a resource that uh, everyone can contribute to uh, and certainly can be helpful for potatoes like me. Have a quick and easy recipe book that I can go to to know exactly what drop deck I should take on the siege map that I am playing on. Alright, that's probably about enough from me guys. I am holding down the K key and I'm about to eject. We'll see you all next time. Oh seven McRae's. The main attraction, distraction. Got your number, the number, the numb. Empty your pocket, son. They got you digging that. What you need is what they selling. Make you think that mine is rebelling. If you did enjoy this content, then please consider supporting us. You can do this in a multitude of ways, including subscribing to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leaving reviews, as well as subscribing to us on YouTube and liking our videos. You can also support us by sending us feedback, either through comments, tweets, or directly through email. Tweet and follow us on Twitter at IncomingP, or email us directly at IncomingMissilePodcast at gmail.com. You can also support us directly by becoming a patron or sponsor. You can find us on Patreon at Incoming Missile Podcast and choose one of three tiers of support. Patrons not only get mentioned on the podcast and get access to exclusive content, but can even join us as a guest host on the podcast. You can also opt to sponsor an episode through one-off donations, all of which will be used as giveaways for our listeners. So if you had a product, service, or content that you'd like us to mention, contact us to discuss sponsoring an episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We look forward to hearing from you. We appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you next time.